the art of self-reliance is forging your own path, but the path is difficult. Made easier by learning from those who have succeeded in directing their own lives on their own terms. With their help and inspiration, your path to self-reliance moves from dream to reality. And now, here's your host, Dr. Rodney King. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Art of Self-Reliance podcast. In this episode, I speak to my good friend, Eric Leons. This is one of those powerful and open discussions that I won't easily forget. As men, these are the conversations we should be having, but often avoid, because it means being vulnerable. I've spent many a night with Eric, with our mutual friend, Aaron Le Boutelet, at his home in Thailand, Tree Roots Retreat, having deep discussions late into the night. Eric is doing incredibly important work with his charity, Hope for Silent Voices, by giving a voice, attention, and resources to the severely neglected and disadvantaged, abused and discarded globally. Much of his current work takes place in Cambodia. In this episode, we discuss finding our authentic self, being responsible for what we know, and realizing that the world needs the best version of us. The art of self-reliance calls you to adventure, to develop your self-protection skills, to learn how to survive no matter where you find yourself, and to thrive amongst life's chaos. So, Eric, here's my first question for you. When you hear the words self-reliance, what does that mean to you? Uh, that's a great question. I, I just think it's your... You are in a place, you're in a position psychologically, emotionally, mentally, cognitively, where you know your outlets. You are prepared for whatever comes your way, wherever life throws your way. You are capable and equipped with handling life's duress, life's challenges, whether that be physical threats, um, whether that be just emotional baggage that we're dealing with. It's... um, it's, it's a, really an array of tools you have in your skill sets to deal with anything that life wants to, to come at you with. Um, you don't have to necessarily, I, I, you've done the due diligence to know how to basically handle the situation as it exists. That's a good segue into the points that we want to talk about because the things that you raised that you suggested we should explore speaks to the ideas of self-reliance and what you just noted now. So let's explore looking at our authentic self as a mirror and determining that I'm enough. And I think that's a really good thing to discuss because people often feel they're not enough. And possibly the reason why that is, is because they've lost sight of their authentic self and may possibly be living a life other than their own. But I'm sure you can speak to that and explore that further. Uh, You know what? I think that is ground zero for how one goes about their life, how they approach life um, and who they discover themselves to be. And I think we need to peel that layer back a long way ago. And the genesis of, and this is kind of an identity um, question or, or, or discussion point is our authentic self, we take um, 
part of that origin, I think, from our upbringing. And whether that is our authentic self or not, we've adopted that to be what we believe is our authentic self. And so we need to really do some serious work um, unpacking what we've learned, those innate character traits that were instilled in us at a at young age, at those formative years. And as life goes on, um, the experiences we have kind of, they don't necessarily dictate who we become because we really have a, a hand in that, but they really help formulate that person we become, that, that, that self. And um, when you say authentic self, I, I now view authentic self to be our true self, our true identity that's unburdened from a lot of the baggage and misconceptions that we've carried um, through our lives. So a family of origin stuff, um, you know, I, I went through abuse as a kid. And so I, I carried that a lot of insecurities and felt that, okay, man, I'm just damaged goods. It is what it is. Um, I suck at intimacy. Um, I'll get to know a girl, but she won't get to know me. It's just, that's just who I am. And honestly, that's just, a, it's a bunch of crap um, that I was allowing myself to determine was my, my true authentic self until I went through the process of really some, some intensive therapy and recovery. So that speaks to something that I think is really important and you can give me your thoughts on this is that I think a lot of people struggle with trying to define where to start, right? So let's say much of what a person is struggling with might come from their past, especially their childhood, but in the moment of wanting to peel back the layers of the onion, as you described, sometimes that can be quite difficult. One, because it's a challenge, and two, you have to confront things about yourself that you may not like. But I think that is the starting point is to, and even if it needs to be written down, is look at how you interact with situations in life. Look at the situations that you don't handle really well, or you, at least you don't feel you handle really well, that's a good key and a starting point to reflect on and say, well, why is that actually happening? Because I don't think you can make any real change in your life unless you, as you noted, to draw it all the way back and where this actually started. And if you can do that, then not only do you understand why you're reacting in a certain way, but because you now understand it, you can actually start to work to change it, right? Yeah, honestly, spot on. And I would say, gosh, you know, I really respect kind of your unraveling of that. And, and I would assume and getting, having gotten to know you a bit that you can only understand what you just said by having walked in the fire. So I, I applaud and I, I admire that out of you. So in, in unpacking that kind of deal is you have to look at an onion, I think. We, we, we really can't handle getting to the center of the onion yet. Um, and to your point, I think the first couple of steps are look at look at elements of our our lifestyle that really don't blend with 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 who we want to be or who we feel we are, and that may be addiction, uh, alcohol, whatever that is. 
And instead of trying, and this is just my opinion, instead of me trying to figure out what is the root cause, I may not be equipped to know that on my own. I might have to get help. But I can recognize certain behavioral traits like uh, drinking a bottle of vodka a day, um, anger. Let, let's tackle some of those topical things initially and try to figure out well, what are those stemming from? Because sometimes people look at those as, as the problems. Those are not the problems. Those are just symptomatic of something that's deeper that is saying, hey, I need some help. Um, let's, let's, let's figure out what this is. But I think we have to have a starting point um, that we, number one, we're courageous enough to look at and say, hey, this is unmanageable and, um, and have the balls to go at it. I think just when I, you, you're saying that, and I'm reflecting back on my own experience, in the beginning, I didn't necessarily know exactly where that behavior that I didn't like about myself was actually coming from. There is something to be said in being your own therapist, in taking the time to get to know where it comes from. But initially, that's not necessarily what I knew. But the fact that I was aware of it and then constantly reminded myself that this thing keeps cropping up and rather than saying, oh, it's just like me to be like X, the reality is I'm being like X, as you noted, because there is something that has created that likely in the past. And the more you acknowledge it, which takes bravery and courage, the more likelihood there will be an opening that it happens and occurs that you are able to eventually draw it back to its source. Today, much of even the things that I still struggle with, although I don't struggle with it as much as I used to, and even if it does come up, I'm able to turn it around a lot quicker. But I can recognize that stemming all the way back to when I was a kid. In a similar way, and we've had these conversations, you know, I wasn't brought up in a very nice environment. My mother was a raging alcoholic. She was abusive. She kicked me out of the house when I was 17. I was sleeping on the streets. So a lot of the things that I, that I now engage with that create problems for me, be it, for example, that I have trust issues, which I know that is one of the things that comes up for me a lot, that trust issue comes from when I was a child and not being able to trust the environment I was in, not to trust the people who said that they loved me because they, they might, not that she ever said she loved me, but you would assume your mother loves you, right? But the assumption of love didn't match up with the actions of what she was doing and her actions told me a different story. And so now as an adult, am I surprised then that I'm going to have trust issues? And so knowing where it came from, I can at least be more accepting of that experience. I can be vulnerable to it. But I can also just lean off myself a little bit and stop giving myself such a hard time. Because as a child, there was no way I could fully understand that. And so it's not my fault is another way to, to say it, right? And so it is my fault now if I choose to act that way, because that's a choice. But the actual initial thing that created it wasn't my fault. And so, you know, knowing that and having that ability to accept that that's the process and that's the way that eventually it got me to where I am now, I think is crucially important. Yeah, it's part of the, of the maturation process. Um, eventually, if we want to live that abundant life and we want to crush this life that we have, 
we have to get to a place where we're not blaming any, any longer, no matter, um, you know, I, I was sexually abused as a kid. I, I can continue to uh, harbor animosity, anger, blame, and all of that. But where's that going to get me? That's just going to get me to, to the bar or to um, through the next pseudo relationship. That that doesn't. I can blame that all day long, or I can decide, hey man, I have a role in where I in where I head. I have a role in creating my my future self. And I can start that now. Um, I, I, I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. And that certainly um, incapacitated me for years until I realized, man, I'm just, I'm tired of treating people like shit. I'm tired of uh, feeling like a bum. And I'll tell you, one of the things that really helped me actually was, was going through brain um, therapy from my, I have traumatic brain injury. And I realized if I, if I allowed friends around my life who would talk to me the way I talk to myself, um, I, I, I know where that ends. Why, why would we let people occupy our headspace and say the things to, to me that I do to myself? And I realized our, our brain will believe what it hears us tell us ourselves right and with your past I, I get that I bet you had a lot of years where you felt you cemented to yourself that I am less than I am unworthy um, in spite of um, all the great things that you were probably doing that were counter to that yeah absolutely I mean just even if I think back on why I chose the path of martial arts and wanting to be a fighter was because that was really my insecurity. You know, I, I felt like I had to, had to be the best that I possibly could be at this, at, at this game of fighting, because if I could physically protect myself, then I had this idea that internally that would change things. And also then people wouldn't mess with me. Right. And so then I wouldn't have to deal with the things that I dealt with as a child. And so that naturally, you know, moved into that. But as I've grown and as I've matured, and as I've allowed, you know, the, the shackles to fall for me, I've started to realize all these things. And it's a powerful place to be because for the first time in my life, I can actually say that I'm really starting to see what I'm truly potential, what my, my true potential is and what I really love and what I really want to do. And for so much of my life, I was hiding and pretending to be something that I wasn't. I mean, I was, as you know, right, I'm, I'm known globally as, as a as martial arts coach. And this, anybody that's been on the mat with me and trained with me would never say that I wasn't, a, you know, they would always say Rodney was the kind of guy that was just seemed never afraid and he would step up and he would fight anybody. But if they knew the truth, I was shitting myself the whole way through those experiences, right? And that always baffled my mind is that I could beat people physically, but yet I couldn't get, I couldn't win the battle inside. And that was always the tension that I was, that I was dealing with. And, and it was only until, I, and it's kind of to the next point that, that, you, that you wanted to talk about is that only once I started taking ownership, responsibility for all of myself, including the things that I thought were good, but were actually generated from a negative space that I was able to then start to heal. You know, it's a great segue. I have a, um, a, a really cool story about this actually. Um, and I'll, 
I'll just plant the seed. The reason I got into martial arts too is I just, I had this pent up um, rage, disappointment, aggression that needed an outlet. And even though I, I didn't know anything about martial arts at the time, I just felt that this is an opportunity for me to step into an unknown, violent world and let what will be will be, right? And, you know, have you ever met in, in this level? Have you ever met a fighter who doesn't have a backstory similar to what we're talking about? I don't know any fighter that, that said, yeah, I grew up in a great home. Uh, I'm sure they exist. Uh, you know, loving, caring. And yeah, I just thought it'd be great to get in there and have someone punch, kick, elbow, knee me in the head and break my joints. It, it doesn't, I've never encountered that once. So a good buddy of mine, he was a WEC guy, then he's a UFC guy. And his similar background as me in terms of sexual abuse. And so we were spending a lot of time together in Dallas. And I said to him one day, I just, he's like a son to me, kind of. I said, there's going to be a day that comes when you're no longer angry. And you're going to have to figure out what you're fighting for. You know, who is it that's inside of you when you've, when you've ditched this anger, you've taken control of your environment. And who are you then? And, and why are you doing what you're doing? And I, I just think that there's uh, a sweet segue into life once we get closer to uh, creating that environment that, it, that more aligns with who we want to be, not who we feel we need to be or who we feel we're, we're damaged to be. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. Because as you were saying that, again, you know, because we've had these conversations and we share in some respect, a lot of similar experiences. Definitely, I would say over the last couple of years, there's been some massive changes for me, partly life changes and getting divorced and moving country and having to leave my, my boys behind so I could continue to provide for them as I, as I did, because I just didn't feel like I could do it as long as I lived in South Africa. But over the last two years, I've been doing a ton of soul searching, especially in the last year. And I actually am, for the first time in my life, not really angry anymore. I don't have that, that anger, that, that, that burning desire of hatred inside me that just was with me for so long that drove me to get in the ring, right? It drove me to put on the gloves. It drove me to fight every single person. And suddenly finding myself no longer in that space, it's exactly as you said, I have to take stock and say, okay, what am I going to do now? You know, because that's how I define myself for most of my adult life. But now that I don't feel that desire anymore, where do I go to next? But there's something also to be said to have courage to let go of a place or a, or a thing that you've become because you've become so defined by it and other people have defined you by it. And that, you know, it's like better the devil, you know, than the devil you don't, right? It's like, there's a part of me that wants to stay in that place because that's what I know. But I know I need to get out of there because if I don't, all this healing that I've done, I'm going to unravel it and I'm going to, it's just going to be a waste of time. And when you remove that part of your life, 
there are tremendous health elements of, of martial arts, jiu-jitsu, all of that. You know, it's, it's a tremendous lifeline, a lot of great takeaways, a lot of bad attributes too, right? So you remove that out of your life, you have to replace that with something healthy. Uh, look at, for example, the NFL. Um, I think the average career is maybe three years, but when people segue out of playing football, they've been around that for so long, there's a huge spike in domestic violence. Why is that? Well, people have not learned, athletes have not learned, or people with certain baggage in the past have not learned how to proactively um, seek uh, and, and handle a new identity. They've removed something very important to their life and the, the elements are not yet created to put in something healthy, a replacement. And uh, when you get rid of that anger, like you're, you're, you're discussing, something healthy has to replace that. You remove alcohol from your life. Okay, great. Well, there's a whole segment of time and space that you have to inject something healthy. If not, that void will be filled by a different version of what that was. I think that's a really important point, right? Is that, you know, you, you look at yourself, you peel back the, the layers of the onion, you figured out what the problem areas are, you remove that problem area out from your life, but you need to be very careful that you don't just replace it with another problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. And um, I remember when I, I quit drinking, gosh, quite a, quite a few years ago. And I remember someone asked me one time shortly after that, I said, well, what do you do for fun? Which really shows you the, the mindset of, of the majority really um, that there have not been things put into life, uh, healthy things to, to substitute or to really take the place of, of that mindless behavior. And, uh, you know, when I got rid of that, I, I really started the journey of self-reflection and wanting to know who I was. Um, I had to go through depression and um, a lot of the facade that I had built up in my head, I, I discovered was that I wasn't true. I, I really had no idea who I was. And that's part of peeling that that onion back layer by layer some some layers we peel on our own and i think the divine works out that another layer is going to be peeled without our our attempting to do that and when it happens we have the awareness to say okay let's just go at this i can choose to circumvent that process and say, I just want to get done with this, this shit as fast as possible. I'm going to try to get around it. Or is it better to just go through it and finally explore how bad it is, who, who, it, who I am and, and tackle it like I've tackled everything else. Well, Carl Jung talked about the shadow and that's really what we're talking about here. You know, when we peel back that layers of the onion, what we're peeling back to is the shadow. And confronting that shadow is very difficult. It's one of the reasons why people drink so much. Well, not, not everybody, but some people drink a lot, do drugs and things like that is because it's an avoidance strategy. 
Because if you're always in an altered state of mind, you never have to deal with what's really going on, with what really is. You know, you're placing yourself in an unreal environment. And so you never have to deal with reality. But Jung would talk about that only once you actually go into the shadow, do you actually find the light? Because that was his argument is that behind the shadow isn't destruction. Behind the shadow is the very thing that you're looking for. And that growth will only come from those moments when you actually go into it. But the thing is, I think that for people, what makes it difficult is, is that it's so hard to do that. It's not easy. It's so much easier just to pick up a bottle, right? And get drunk. That's not a, a hard thing to do, but to actually sit there in contemplation and be real with yourself and ask yourself, where is this shit in my life coming from? Where is it stemming from? And then to ask the next question, how do I overcome it? What can I do to change it? That's what people don't want to do because nothing of value is going to happen without some real serious work. And as you noted, sometimes it might mean that you slip into depression because now you fully become awake of the things you didn't want to, to confront, the things you were running from the whole time. Mm -hmm. We are, as people, we're so greatly hampered by fear. And as you know, undoubtedly, the vast majority of fear is unrealistic. It's never going to happen. But we, we fear the unknown. Um, so, much, so much of that fear is the likelihood of it happening is minuscule. Um, or it's something in the past that we can't change. So why do, would we choose to hamper our growth? Um, because it's simply a lot of times because our self-talk or we believe that there's not something better on the other side of that shadow. We're, we're afraid of what that shadow may expose. But to your point, that shadow will expose, we know this, because haven't gone through it, the shadow will expose exactly what you're needing to discover about yourself and the belief that you are equipped to get through that shadow and for whatever's on the other side. This, there's just not a frame of reference, perhaps, having endured that kind of self-discovery, the refining fire, to say, hey, man, Life is happening for me, not to me. And that was a big shift for me once I realized, okay, maybe I'm not the big bag of shit I was. Maybe I've done a lot of bad stuff. But, and as bad as it, this fire is burning me, I feel like, like I, some of these bad characteristics are melting away from me and there's actually a, a human being under here. Right. Um, but a lot of times I think people get sidetracked by by the fear that. Like for me, I'll give you a great, a great depiction. I went through a lot of recovery, a, a ton of it um, for abuse, for alcohol and other things. And I was so worried that I did all of this work. I'm standing in my head. I'm seeing the future. I'm standing in this field. I am naked, I am alone, it is dark, no, no sounds, no animals, no crickets, nothing. I'm terrified and I'm waiting 
I'm waiting for God to show up. I'm waiting for healing to come and trust that this was all for something. But you only discover what the end result is by putting in your work. If you're not willing to do the work, you're going to swirl that, that, that bowl eternally and life's going to continue to suck. But you're, we're all born with a great purpose, a great plan in our lives, but it's not going to just fall into our laps. We need to go, we need to go slay it. What's also important is to look at the things that we engage in and then critically ask ourselves, is this making those things that I discovered about myself that I want to change? Is it making it better or is it making it worse? You know, irrespective of what that might give me, right? So for example, when I was so much into the fighting kind of space, did I get respect? Sure. You know, people respected me. Were people afraid of me? Sure. Did it make me feel good that, that that's how they felt? Oh, absolutely. Right. So I could justify to myself why I want to continue doing that. But looking at the things that I'm wanting to overcome, if I'm really honest with myself, being in that place, being in that state was making everything else worse. All the things that I didn't like about myself were getting worse. They weren't getting better. I think this is what I see often, and it's probably the same in many other avenues, but one, obviously my experience oftentimes where I draw from is martial arts. I noticed that a lot of people, for example, that want to go out and compete. The reason they're competing is because it gives them these external validations, but they also hope that by going in to the cage, so to speak, that when they wake up the next morning, because they did that, all the stuff that they don't like about themselves would have been dealt with. It's gone. And they're going to be, you know, they're going to awaken a, a brand new person. But in actual fact, what happens is they wake up the next morning and they feel even worse than the day before. And they can't understand it. So then they keep doing that same thing, hoping that the next time around, there's going to be a different outcome. But that's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And so I'd been, and, and the funny part of it, you know, the, the, maybe not funny, the sad part of this whole thing is that I did this for decades, thinking that if I just accomplish this, if I just, you know, get to this point, if I beat this person, if I establish myself in the world in this way, within the frame of what I'm doing in the martial arts, that I'm going to feel more confident, I'm going to have less anxiety and then feel more assured and, and so on. But in actual fact, it just got worse and worse and worse because what I needed to realize was that the answers didn't lie there. Mm. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, is it not? Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, if our target are those fleeting characteristics of, of pride, of, of ego, and I think there's a healthy, when you do what, when you get into the, that level of martial arts, you're going to have to have some of those attributes to a point. But um, those accolades can be the downfall too because you, you buy into the hype of who you want other people to think you are. You lose sight of, of who you really are. And yeah, you keep doing that day and night, years go by, and all of a sudden, you don't get that time back. Um, fortunately, I think at, uh, during my journey, I just thought that there must be something 
bigger or better or more significant out there in this life to pursue. Um, I was miserable. Uh, I was in the middle of, uh, I started in Shidokan, which is a Kyokushin, and then I got into Muay Thai, and I was knee-deep in that, no pun intended, and loved it, but I was miserable. I just, I didn't think this this was all there could be in life. I, it was just so fleeting. Um, and every my environment was created in such a way that everybody around me was basically part of that circle. I, I really had so little exposure to anybody outside of that realm. And that's part of the, the, the downside to, to following this negative hype train, you know, because all we're doing is that we're cementing to ourselves the same inner thoughts because the people around us are in the same spiral. And there's also that part of it, right, where because you're around the same people, you start seeking what they suggest is important and of value. But it may not be important and of value to you, but you just think that you have to, you have to go down that road because they are suggesting it. And so what ends up happening is you do lose that true self because you're now living a life based on what other people suggest is important. And we can obviously unpack that, of course, is that, a lot of times in life, what society says is important actually isn't important and is of no value to you whatsoever. But sadly, a lot of people are chasing things because society says that that's of value. The expensive cars or whatever that may be, right? Chasing the dollar, all those things really are going to be meaningless at the end of the day. When you're on your deathbed and you're taking your last breath, none of the stuff that society has said is important, especially the materialistic stuff, is going to mean anything. I say this sometimes, and I think it is the absolute dire truth. And you're still laying on your deathbed. And if you're still asking the question, what was it all about? That was an absolute tragedy of a life that was lived, right? Uh, and um, so many people are, are in that position, and it breaks my heart. Um, because there are, there are ways out. It's just, we, we have blinders on, um, because of, uh, hurt in our lives and, and wherever life has gone or, or we're surrounded by the wrong characters, just, just as you're, you're explaining. And if, if I were, someone once asked me, what's my greatest fear? And, and my answer at that time, which would be still true today is, living a life of insignificance, not having an impact, a positive impact on people's lives and utilizing, you know, the hurts, the habits, the hangups, the, uh, you know, scraping the underbelly, the undercarriage of life, but sharing that for the benefit of others. And I think that that's exactly what your pod class is about. And a uh, man, I just, there are so many hurting folks out of there who could be out there slaying this world in, in just, uh, just epic ways if they could recognize that, man, sometimes life goes, veers off path, but that doesn't mean, that was just a detour. You can get back on the path. It's just going to take some work. It's going to take courage, as you, you explained, and um, 
and a whole lot of tenacity. That's, yeah, that's beautiful. And that speaks to the final point we wanted to talk about that the world needs the best version of us. Right. And that I'm always reminded here about Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey where he, he said that, yes, you can go through all the steps that the hero goes through, but you are not actually the hero unless you come back to the society that you came from and you contribute in a positive way. So what I would like to just kind of end off on and talk a little bit about that is that through your experience and your journey, one of the things that you have done is you have given back and maybe you can tell the listeners a little bit about the work that you do in Cambodia. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, uh, this is a huge part of my journey. Um, I was at a dire place in my life and wondering what this was all about. And um, uh, the tsunami happened. I'm going to peel back a second. Tsunami happened Christmas of 04. And I was looking for a reason to get out of bed. I was at that place and I was struggling. Um, found a way to go get immersed in some heavy stuff that I wasn't prepared for um, in Sri Lanka and Thailand. And that really opened my eyes to tremendous suffering post-tsunami. And so I migrated over to Cambodia and, and, and discovered uh, child exploitation, human trafficking, and realized that I have the lenses because of my past, my background, I know what I'm seeing. Before I understood it, I, I could see things happening in front of me and thought, man, that looks odd. That's weird. And sure enough, I'm through watching exploitation transactionally happen around me. Um, I decided, you know, I, I need to do something about this. I believe in life. We're responsible for what we know and not just from an advocacy, advocacy perspective. I'm a doer. And so forming an organization that, that combats um, the exploitation of, of women and children through Hope for the Silent Voices is how I'm using my what, what I was given as a seven-year-old, eight-year-old uh, through sexual abuse outside the home. I, I decided, man, I can lay down and be a victim or I can say, that's bullshit. You know, I'm going at this. I don't know what's going to look like, but this is, this is how I'm wired. So we've got a couple of safe houses now, boys and girls, uh, and we're, we're smashing it as best we can. And this is just, this is who I am. Um, this is how I'm using those, those hurts and, and, and things that transpired in my life to, to try to pay it forward. Um, we all, every one of us, we don't have to have an abuse hit past. It doesn't matter, but our lives were not given to us just for our sake. We're, we're here to, to positively impact the whole world around us. And there's no better time than now, especially with the anarchy and chaos here in America, around the world, and with the virus. Yeah, so I think, I think what's powerful there for me is that you've used what could have become the ultimate destruction of your life and just, you know, you've thrown your entire life away and not to say just like myself, we had our ups and downs we were probably very close to that, right? But we were able to turn it around, but it wasn't until you saw what 
happen to you as an opportunity to actually turn it into a positive and give back that you really found, I would argue your true self, right? So you did all that work, but the true self really comes from when you are selfless and sacrifice. For sure. And, and I don't, I'm not trying to allude that this was a, an easy segue, right? I, uh, you know, I was a time I had written my goodbye letters to my family and emailed them to myself, knowing that a brother would find them in my account. And um, so I'm not trying to allude to an easy, seamless path, but um, that was part of the story. That was part of really kind of me saying, I am releasing my control over this life. I don't have control over it. And um, I am now willing to explore life as it organically should flow, as opposed to white knuckling how I believe it's supposed to go. And it's funny. The journey ended up looking nothing like I anticipated, but I could never script the the joy and the and and, and the beauty that I get to experience now. Like, had I still been a bum and operating the way I knew, I wouldn't have a a good, meaningful, deep discussion with you in a way I could understand it, and I would have never have met you in a cool spot in Thailand. I I just wouldn't have been that kind of person. I think that for both of us is that for so long, I just refused to talk about it. I refused to talk about my past. And only I would say in the last five years, I've been very open about it. And it's difficult to do that, right? Because we're also in a situation now, especially in the West, where we have this cancel culture, right? And so People go and seek out things that maybe you did before and say, well, look, you know, he, he, he did this, even though it was 20 years ago, we shouldn't listen to him. He has no value to add because it happened 20 years ago. And this is where we are now. It's so crazy, right? Is this kind of, first of all, you know, to even talk like that is just ludicrous because I'm sure if we dug deep, we could find shit on anybody, right? Everybody's got their skeletons in the closet, but it's also making this claim then that, you should continue to pay for things that happened 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago and that nobody really changes. And that's kind of a very dismal, sad, pathetic way of looking at the world. And I don't want to be like that. I want to believe that everybody has that ability to change. And even people that hurt me and uh, that made me very angry and upset. And even though you, you, I, I, there's a part of me that doesn't want to forget it, but if they came to me today and they apologized, I want to believe that everybody can change because I know that I did. And that's, that's my, my proof, right? If I, if I change, then I know other people can because it was tough. It was difficult, but I did. There are no perfect people out there. Right. Um, and yeah. I think loud and clear, we're witnessing that to your point, this cancel culture, the people who speak the loudest oftentimes in life and in the media are the ones who are really hurting and damaged. And they want to really boom loud their voice because they are afraid of being known or being exposed as who they may or may not be, right? But there's nothing to fear there. If you really want to find an abundant life, an authentic self, your true self, as you're talking about, you got to get stripped naked sometimes and, and, and be willing to, to be exposed, 
You may not like what you see at first, but hey, in five, 10 years or whatever long it takes, doesn't have to take that long, you're a different person. You're not, you're not the same person you were 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, when I did some shit that I'd be embarrassed, greatly embarrassed about if I was still doing it, but I'm not condemned to be the person I was in the past. That, that person was who I was. It was part of my journey. He, he's gone. Um, I don't regret. I don't regret it. You know, because of who I am trying to be today. Right. Mm. I think that's a really good point. So to end off, Eric, what would be your final words of wisdom? What would you want to leave us with? I, I, I'm glad you said that. I, a, a phrase just came into my head that a coach gave me in, in college. And I love it. I knew I'd never forget it. He said, where you stumble, there lies your treasure. So to me, this means, hey, you've got a speed bump in your life. Look at it as an opportunity because that speed bump is is a treasure for you when you can get that healed. It doesn't have to be something that negatively continues to captivate your life, whether it's addiction, uh, whatever it is look at it as a treasure because you, you smash that, that hurdle. It is going to be a gift that it will continue to give your life and others. So where you stumble, there lies your treasure. To learn more about the art of self-reliance, our virtual coaching service, online courses, and our retreats in Thailand, head over to primal skills. That's with a Z.com.